Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're at the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is author and ripperologist Michael Hawley. He's written the book, Dr. Francis Tumblety and the Railway Ripper. Undetected by the FBI for three decades until the turn of the 21st century, a handful of elusive transient long-haul trucker serial killers had been murdering hundreds of sex workers and hitchhikers along major U.S. highways. This was not the first time innocent victims were attacked along major U.S. interstate thoroughfares. Nearly lost to history was a similar pattern of carnage that occurred in the late 19th century. No less than 39 unsolved murders and nearly 40 brutal assaults of women were committed in the United States. But instead of along major highways, these heinous crimes were committed along the railways. At the time, the attacks were termed mysterious, since they seemed to be motiveless, meaning there was no evidence of the usual rape or robbery. In cases where an assault or suspicious person was spotted, his physical description was the same, tall, middle-aged, and wearing a specific gray overcoat. Shockingly, one of Scotland Yard's prime Jack the Ripper suspects cannot be eliminated was the tall team. Michael Hawley is one of the world's top authorities on Jack the Ripper. He has written numerous articles, books, both nonfiction and fiction, and appeared on television to discuss the topic. Hawley holds a master's degree in science, in invertebrate paleontology, and a secondary science education at State University of New York College at Buffalo, and a bachelor's degree in geology and geophysics at Michigan State University. What all that has to do with Jack the Ripper, I don't know. He was a commander and naval aviator in the U.S. Navy and is currently enjoying a career as a secondary earth science and chemistry teacher. He resides with his wife and six children in Greater Buffalo, New York. Michael Hawley, welcome. Thank you very much. Wow. Well, what a career. And none of it has to do with Jack the Ripper. So I have to ask you first, and you know, for those that don't know you, uh, how did you get into Jack the Ripper? I mean, the Navy... SUNY, right. master's degree in invertebrate paleontology. You're looking at old bones. <laughs> well, I am uh, have a passion for research, and that's especially the paleontology. And, and what I discovered uh, with a paleontologist in Western New York are things that other uh, paleontologists had never discovered, and it was just exciting to, for the discovery. So what I, one of my other uh, 30-year passions was this creation-evolution debate, which my very first uh, book that I had written was on. I was originally waiting in about 2009, waiting. But what happened was that was when the economy went under. So I was biting at the bit to see what was happening. And so I was watching a show, uh, Mystery Quest, and they said that there's a Jack the Ripper suspect buried an hour and a half away from my house, which was, I'm in Buffalo, so it was Rochester, New York. So that that got me excited. So I decided to uh, research it. And in the 1990s, this they rediscovered this Dr. Francis Tumblety. Scotland Yard had buried the story. And so, and it was this private letter from a Scotland Yard police chief uh, that, uh, chief, chief inspector that uh, to a, pri- a private letter that sh- said that uh, he believed the very likely suspect was this Tumblety guy. So 
I started researching, and when I did, it was at a time where the experts actually rejected the idea, but I kept on finding uh, damning evidence. Every stone I interned was damning. And so that was my first two books, The Ripper's Haunts and Jack the Ripper Suspect, Dr. Francis Tumbledee, that I wrote, mm-hmm. that has all that. But then the big question was, well, if he, if you know, what happened was is after the murders, he was arrested on suspicion, but nobody saw the murders. But they had him nailed on a misdemeanor charge. So he would have been in prison for two years, but he was a millionaire. So he posted bail, sneaked out of the country, and the murder stopped. So the question I always get is, if he truly was a serial killer, were there any Ripper-like murders in America? Right. So I decided to look. And, oh, my gosh, it was uh, kind of a shocker at first. And so I found – but what I really did find is what just uh, you had talked about is that there was someone taking advantage of the railroad tracks. The FBI wasn't around at the time. And right. so what he was doing was you could see that someone was stopping at a train stop, murdering somebody, getting back on a train and leaving, and the locals had no idea. And so this pattern was kept on coming up. And I could not eliminate Tumbledee from being in that area. <laughs> so, it's, And then some of the details are even sh- uh, more shockers. Wow, wow, wow. So I guess, uh, you know, just kind of reeling it in a little bit, those of you who, who are listening who haven't caught up to all this, there are several books that explain how a doctor from Buffalo, New York, ends up in London in Whitechapel and... Uh, was actually there, and you're saying he was actually interviewed by Scotland Yard. He was arrested. Yes. An American. That figures it's an American doing something that wicked. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what some of the British had thought. It couldn't be a, a prominent British person. Oh, no. So, but he was... Uh, a actually, member of the House of Lords, no way. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. And he came over during the potato famine. And he was one of 11. And some of the family members had already crossed over before the potato famine because Ireland was experiencing economic downturn even before that. But thanks to the Erie Canal, uh, the Northeast was experiencing a boom. And so the family came here. And that's why Rochester, New York, which is right next to Buffalo, is where his family started uh, living. But he got hooked up with these quack doctors. And he was a young man, but he then crossed to Canada, Canada West at the time, but Ontario, and uh, ironically, it was London, Ontario, London, that he started. Within three years, he became a millionaire, just scamming people with this quack business, the snake oil business. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, he was molesting young men. So that begins his life. And so it was, and then, but what happened was, is by the, by 1873, he began to travel back to London to london and he would come to london each year uh sometimes twice a year and then the last time he was in london is when he was arrested in 1888 in the fall for the Whitechapel murders and then he sneaked back but he had to stay stay in america after that because if he would have gone into canada because canada was still considered part of you know the british uh, connected to the britain that he could not be extradited if he stayed in the united states because the charge was a misdemeanor charge at the moment, so he stayed in America. Wow. But uh, details are interesting. I just see this as a series on Netflix or Apple TV or something like that. HBO. I mean, it, the the potential here. This this Tumblety guy is just one of the most wicked people that uh, historically that you've come across. You know the the things he's accused of, and then you have his quackery. 
He's a doctor. He's wealthy. He's weird. I mean, what a character. Do we know what oh, this yes. guy, do we know what he looked like? Yes, there was two things that happened was uh, he, he was also, when you look at serial killers, one of the things they all have in common is either antisocial person, Bundy, and the complete narcissist lacked complete re, uh, remorse. Here's a man that he barely spoke with many people, uh, but what he was, he wrote six autobiographies of his life. And uh, much of it was fake in those autobiographies, but he was a huge narcissist, and mm-hmm. I have details upon details of that. But he was, uh, uh, what was your original question again? What did he look like? But you know what? We do, oh. we do have to take a break, Mike. Uh, okay. Well, why don't we do that, and we'll get back into it. I'm talking to Michael Hawley, the author of Dr. Francis Tumblebee and the Railway Ripper. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books is your home for independent and innovative authors. Verboten Books is the imprint for mature content. Check out Satan's Petting Zoo and Mayhem Menagerie, written by Brian Koshensky and Chris Pisano. Also, Lana Shea's Erotic Hustle and Bram Stoker's Rated Z series. Find these and books for all tastes at sunburypress.com. I'm back with Michael Hawley, the author of Dr. Francis Tumblety and the Railway Ripper. And we're discussing what did Dr. Tumblety look like, this peculiar wealthy doctor. And then what happened was in 1871 autobiography, he had a photograph of himself on there. And people found that photograph and thought that was him. But what I showed that that was not him. He was using a young man Hmm. as a double. And uh, the Neil Story, a historian, a historian that's in England, had actually discovered in archives of Sir Henry Hall Kane, who was the boyfriend of Francis Tumblety for a while, had a photograph of Tumblety, and that one is Francis Tumblety. But he was unusually tall at the time. In his autobiographies, he stated that he was six foot tall. He always had a huge mustache, and so then, but he would always. You, when he was in business, he would wear four or five suits a day, and it was all about getting attention. But once he semi-retired, during the day, he would sometimes wear a wealthy suit, especially half a dozen or more sworn testimonies of witnesses saying that in the evening, every evening, he would go in the slums, dress down, and then, but what happened was is uh, that he... That was his thing in the evening, and so uh, it gets even worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as far as connecting him to the famous Whitechapel murders in London, um, was there a particular gotcha with, with your research and the other books that makes him the most likely suspect? The That I cannot stop investigating him. My original idea was I was going to start mm-hmm. with Francis Tumblety, and then when, once I exhausted that, then I was going to go to the next, next suspect. That was just what I had in mind. And I keep on finding things. For example, when I started researching Tumblety and realized that he did have this bitter, unusual hatred of women. And he was, he was Catholic and he believed, uh, not, it, that's not what doctrine was, but he believed it wasn't Adam that committed the original sin. It was Eve deceiving Adam. Therefore, women were the curse of the land, and including disease. And by 1880, he caught syphilis. Even though he was a quack doctor, claimed he could cure all, he couldn't cure himself. And so he blamed women for that. Hmm. And so that's when I started seeing these uh, mysterious murders in America, right about there, that uh, possibly a trigger point for a serial killer. But then 
So by 1886, neurosyphilis was kicking in, and I have evidence for that with my latest last book. Uh-huh. But what? But by eight, uh, 1888 were the Ripper murders. By 1894, he dressed as a homeless person for the rest of his life, and he had $3 million in a New York bank. Wow. So his brain was really going by that time. Yeah. So his M.O. when he would murder people... If, if I recall, he disemboweled the ladies or he mutilated them. It was more than just like slitting their throats or stabbing them. Right. Yeah. It was. It was almost yeah, like was, surgery, right? Right. It was overkill. In, in, by 1888, the women, the, when you look at the Whitechapel murders, no one is, the experts don't know how many of these victims were from one person, one offender, as in Jack the Ripper. And they usually call this canonical five. The five, they all have throat cuts deep, right, almost deep, to, uh, right to their spine, and then an attack to the abdomen. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of them, there were no organs taken, but you could see that possibly that uh, the offender was interrupted. And uh, But when he had the chance, he took out the, uh, the kidney and uh, uterus out of one woman, the uterus out of another, and the heart out of another. And here's Francis Tumbley during the Civil War had a uterus collection. Oh, How many people do you know had a uterus collection? Oh, well, the reason was because he was this, he claimed to be a surgeon, and they had this anatomical uh, library all the time. But what happened is the year of the murders, 1888, uh, new, uh, a, we found out that a Toronto reporter interviewed him, and he told that reporter that he was constantly in dread of sudden death because of kidney and heart disease. Hmm. Here's Jack the Ripper took the kidney, the heart, and the uterus twice. He is the only one connected to the organs. And if you ask any experts about any, why did Jack the Ripper take those specific organs, they just shrugged their shoulder. And so, guess what? <laughs> There's a reason for this guy. And also, one of the, the victims, only one victim had something taken, and that was the keeper wing ready uh, a pair of cheap brass rings uh-huh. and it was the only object on these victims that showed heterosexual love a, a bonding between male and female <clears throat> and of course tumbley hated that he hated heterosexuality and when he uh, died in 1903 on his possession he had his usual thousand plus dollars diamonds and gold and two cheap brass rings <laughs> so uh. Now, uh, I have to ask you, the jars of formaldehyde and uteri, whatever happened to them? Are they in a museum somewhere? Are they unknown, lost to history? Well, that's probably lost to history. What I I did find was uh, a sworn testimony that the nephew from Rochester, New York, said that his sister from Rochester was the one that would collect Francis Tumbley's stuff. Because Tumbley was a transient. He traveled. Mm Mm-hmm. He, he never stayed in a place longer than a week or three weeks. So he was always taking the trains. And then, but if he found, collected something, he kept it in Rochester with his his niece. So I searched for that building, but that building has since been raised, sadly. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, uh, when you look at, in Philadelphia, that was the Mutter Museum. Yep, been there. When you look at, you look at the uterus collection, there were a few uh, uterus samples that were uh, that went missing in 1888. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm searching. <laughs> we're looking for those. Excellent. That that would be quite the find. Talking to Michael Hawley. We'll be right back. 
Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of authors from many genres. If you are into horror, thrillers, or fantasy, check out our Hellbender Books imprint, Thomas Malafarina's Malaformed Reality series, The Thirteenth Child by Nick Korolev, The State Changers series by Chris Fenwick, or the psychological thrillers of Keith Rommel. Find these and other works at the Hellbender Books tab and all works of fiction and nonfiction at sunburypress.com. I'm back with Michael Hawley the author of Dr. Francis Tumblety and the Railway Ripper. And uh, I kind of like to bring it back to the railways here in the in the U.S. back in those days. So I'm assuming as you've lined up these these murders and you look at when he was in England versus when he was in the U.S., is there uh, any certainty as to, oh, we knew he was out of town, not in, in Rochester or Buffalo at the time? Is there diaries or logs of any kind? Well, there in certain cases there are. What was happening was is with most sadly most murders in the late nineteenth century of women, they were they were raped and murdered, or they're again or they were robbed. So I was looking for these unsolved murders that that had neither rape nor robbery, and so the locals didn't know what the motive was. But mm-hmm. of course now we know that they're likely serial killer. And so, uh, case in point, one is. Just before the Ripper murders in in uh, 1888 fall, May of 1888, there was a woman that was murdered in New York City with a throat cut ear to ear, Ripper style, and no one's talked about this. This mm-hmm. is the first. And coincidentally, Tumbley was in town. And it was a Bowery a prostitute, and Tumbley lived near that area. And he left for London within weeks after that. And so, and that so I, but when he came back after he was arrested and sneaked back to America, December second, by December third, there was a Scotland Yard detective outside his window keeping an eye on him. That made the papers. December fourth, and December fifth, he vanished. Nobody knew where Tumbley went until I found out where he went. Hmm. He went to Waterloo, New York, and in Waterloo, New York, I knew that was right because nowadays. This local Waterloo newspaper digitized their newspapers, and they said, Tumbley's in town. Oh, and by the way, there was a woman accosted at night, uh-huh. and this woman was attacked by the throat first. And what happens is if you look at the Ripper victims, two of those Ripper victims had their tongues sticking out, protruded, that they were strangled first. So the offense, Jack the Ripper not only also cut the throat but strangled. And so what you're looking for, and also Tumbley came back, wearing this ulster coat. And so time and, t- time and time again, when there was a witness seeing somebody, some strange person around, it was a tall man in a gray ulster coat, tall man in a gray ulster coat, tall man in a gray ulster coat. Within, within a days after that Waterloo experience in Chicago, this woman was accosted on the, the tracks by a tall man, thick mustache, gray ulster coat. And, he, he grabbed her by the throat. She, he, she got away and ran towards some train uh, workers, and he shot at her. Tumbley used to carry a, a revolver, by the way. Hmm. And so what happened was is I get this newspaper article saying Tumbley's supposedly in Chicago. And so <laughs> it just keeps, keep, kept on going like that. So I, I just kept on finding. So I would just, you know, uh, do a, a search for gray ulster coat, tall man, and then these things just kept on popping up. Wow. And so – but some local, some of the local reporters of the big newspapers saw patterns going on. But again, we didn't have a, a an FBI at the time to to look for any patterns of murders, interstate murders, for quite some time. 
right across the river in Hudson River in New Jersey, huge patterns of murders right along the tracks. And uh, so the stories, the details are even uh, more interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. We need three hours. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the furthest out this this stuff happened that you could tell? Because by he died in 1903. So by 1900, I'm assuming that there shouldn't be anything. But what I found was by 1880, he was going to Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, once or twice a year because that was the mecca for syphilis patients. Mm-hmm. And so then we found out that, well, what happened, was, what happened was these two young men were partying with this young lady. She passed out at the home, so they dragged her to the local train station and put a sticker says, just say, take me to San Antonio for a joke. The next morning she was mutilated. Oh, boy. Well, wouldn't you know that Galveston, Texas would be the next stop? And one week later was the Galveston Hurricane. And who was one of the victims that survived in the Galveston hurricane? Francis Tumblebee. Oh, he was there? Tumblebee, he was there. And so he was, and we know that he was in Hot Springs Hmm. uh, sometimes, so he would have taken that that train. And here it is, this woman at night. So that would have been like easy pickings, basically, a passed out woman uh, in the middle of the night. So it's like, I had to add that person because she was mutilated. Mm -hmm. And Tumblebee was within a week there. And I do that in also New Jersey where he was uh, reporting where he was to a New York. I can pinpoint tumbly in that spot. The tall man in the gray Ulster coat. Sounds like the yes. name of a, of a movie or a, yeah. Oh, it's definitely the name of a chapter in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, listen, uh, I know we need three hours to go into all these details and I, I don't want to spoil the book for people that, that will be out soon. Tell us also what, uh, what you've been up to, I know there's some opportunities on television. Uh, you, you've appeared on a couple shows. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've done so far there and what's coming. Yes, it's 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 nice because now I, I was on the History's Greatest Mysteries. They needed an expert for Jack the Ripper episode. It was had nothing to do with Tumblebee, but they needed an expert. So I was on that last year. Unsolved Mysteries has contacted me, and they want to do uh, an episode for next year. Again, being just a general expert, which is which is nice. I enjoy that. And so, and then I have a independent film people that uh, want to do actually a and a documentary on Francis Tumbley himself, um, more connected to the book. So that will be in the near future as well. So lots is happening. So it's it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine a documentary. I mean, just from what you've been able to reconstruct here, his movements as he had, and so on. I think you can build a pretty interesting biographical. Uh, work uh, on film for sure but i think that a dramatic treatment of it you know a little more fictionalized would be just heinously uh <laughs> intriguing <laughs> um yeah it, it's just so weird to uh think about jack the ripper coming from buffalo or rochester and uh and that he was right. actually ripping in the in the states right yeah. right and very very interesting. Well, what else are you up to? Are you writing anything else? Researching anything else? Is there any? Uh, actually, yes. Uh, it, the of course, I'm thinking, how can you write so much and so fast? But I have a fiction, another fiction novel coming out, uh, a third of the trilogy. But I actually have another nonfiction coming out recently. I did a lot of research with Tumbley going through Canada, and called Jack the Ripper in Canada, and that will be coming in a few years because I have a lot more research to do, but mm-hmm. I just can't stop finding stuff on this guy, so I have to uh, surprise some people in the future. <laughs> Has anybody else 
latched on and said, hey, you know what? You're onto something. Uh, this Tumble Tea guy is probably it. Or are you still running into resistance with the, the other experts? Uh, not as much. When I first started, they even I had an article in the Ripperologist magazine, and one of the experts was saying, why are we even talking about Tumble Tea? Well, my first, the Ripper's Haunts didn't come out yet, and I said, well, stand by. And so once that did, both books actually got awards in the world of Ripperology. One mm-hmm. got the Book of the Year 2018, and then the first one was uh, the, the biggest reviewer, Paul Begg, said that was the, the best book in both 2015 and 2016, and we have to take Tumbley seriously. Once that person right there said that, people were looking but what i was i've purposely not been pushing hard these last couple of years because it's going to be fun to shock this community with this surprise that here is a one of the top suspects now has this pattern yeah the that there's these murders so it's it's going to be an exciting time so uh, i'll be i'll be up there in the forefront trying to you know you know, I, I would love to talk, but I, I, I talk too much. But that's <laughs> I'm sure we're going to see Michael Hawley everywhere on TV in, a, in the not-too-distant future talking about this. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. Well, the book will be out very soon. Don't have an exact date, but those of you listening, you're probably hearing this maybe after it's been released. Look for it. It's called Dr. Francis Tumblety and the Railway Ripper. If you need uh, the background to that, look at the other works by Michael Hawley. He has several, a couple other nonfiction books that give you the the history of Tumble Tea and uh, the Whitechapel murders. Now he brings it to the United States. And then the novels are also interesting, uh, sort of uh, revisionist history, maybe a little bit of uh, fantasy in it about Jack the Ripper and some, some events there. Michael, it's been great having you. Hope to see you again soon in person. Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.